Good morning, church. I pray that you are doing well today, and uh, I'm thankful that we've been able to come here and uh, to be able to just open God's Word once again. Churches across the nation are beginning to open again, and so I know many uh, people, we've gotten responses from people all over the country that you've uh, joined in on our online services, and some of you will be going back to your churches here uh, within the next week or so, and we want to invite those maybe that live in the Toledo area that do not have a church home, we want to invite you to our church. Next Sunday, we will begin to gather once again, and uh, we've got a tent that we're going to put on our field, and we're going to um, gather and worship the Lord under that tent, and we want to invite you to come. We're going to be practicing social distancing. We're going to do it outside just so that we can stay healthy and safe and uh, not come in probably until July or so uh, into our auditorium and begin to have church again once again inside our buildings. But again, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for uh, just participating, being engaged in church, although it's been so different over these last 11 or 12 weeks. Uh, I believe the Lord's met with us, and I want to thank our church also for being faithful. We have been studying for some time now. I'm not even sure how many weeks it's been. We've been on Sunday mornings here at our church, just been going through the book of Acts. I've been so amazed as we come to a verse or a chapter just how the Lord can use that in society and in things that we're dealing with. We, um, so many weeks as I've been studying and preparing, uh, it just seems like exactly what we need, the Lord is giving us here as we go through the book of Acts. Today is no different. Matter of fact, today, as I have studied and read Acts chapter number 17, in these verses that we'll be reading, I've just thought to myself how the Lord just can fit things together in his word to speak to us. And I pray today that you listen. I want to address some things that are happening within our country, our nation today, really our world. And I want us to look at Paul's response here as he went and visited the city of Athens. In verse number 16, if you'll follow along with me. Now, while Paul waited for them in, at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Now, I want to just bring things to where we're at here in chapter 17 in this verse. Paul is on a second missionary journey. Paul, I want to remind you that as Paul began this missionary journey, Paul had thoughts of his own. Paul wanted to go to Asia. Paul wanted to preach the gospel in different cities. Now, Paul had a good intent. Paul's motives were good. It isn't like Paul wanted to do something wicked or wanted to do something against the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God had to convict Paul and bring Paul back into focus. That's not what happened with Paul. Paul wanted to please the Lord. Paul wanted to go and preach the gospel. Paul wanted to do his second missionary journey the way he thought it would be necessary. His motives were right. His reasonings were pure. He simply wanted to get the gospel to a world that needed the gospel. But Paul was sensitive to the Spirit of God. And as Paul was planning and going through his missionary journey, I want to remind you as we studied that Paul was sensitive to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God said, Paul, I don't want you to go here. Now, that seems like maybe a, a unique or, or confusing thought. Why would God not want Paul to go to an area of the world that needed the gospel? Well, the reason why we find as we've read since that time is because God had a plan 
that he wanted Paul to fulfill. And I'm so thankful that Paul was sensitive to the spirit of God because there was a jailer at Philippi that needed to be saved. There was a woman by the name of Lydia that needed to be saved. There was a young damsel that was possessed with a devil that needed to be freed from that devil and she needed to be saved. Athens was a city that was totally given over to idols. This was a religious city, if you will, but they didn't know God. And God had the desire that Paul go to a city called Athens because it was in Athens where God was going to have Paul preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people were going to come to hear the gospel for the very first time. And so oftentimes when God is changing our plans, he's changing them for his will. He's changing them for a better plan. And we need to be submissive to it. We come here to this area of Athens, and the Bible tells us that there were certain philosophers in this city, and and they take Paul, and uh, look with me in verse number uh, 18, if you would. He seemeth to be a, a setter forth of strange gods, and why do they say this? Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and, and brought him unto Europeicus, saying, May we know that this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would not know, therefore, what these things mean. For the, all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but to tell and to hear some new thing. Now, what's so interesting about this passage of Scripture Paul necessarily wasn't, his plan wasn't to go to Athens. God's was, but it wasn't necessarily Paul's. Paul, he went to Thessalonica. He went to Berea. And it was because of trouble in Thessalonica and then trouble that happened in the Berean that the people of God, that they, they rescued Paul from that trouble and they brought him to Athens. Paul was simply waiting in Athens for the next assignment. And Paul simply was there in Athens waiting for his company to come to him and so they could continue on their missionary journey. God had Paul waiting. Paul, God had Paul there in Athens. Look with me again in verse number 16. Now, while Paul waited. Now, this is an interesting statement. I want to preface today's message with that thought. Oftentimes, God has things for us that we don't understand, that we don't recognize, that aren't even on our minds. And it comes when God gets us to a place in our life where we have nothing else to do, but we have to choose to wait. Paul, God had something great for Paul in Athens. Paul thought it was just a resting spot so his company could be refocused and they can continue on their missionary journey. Paul, I'm sure, is thinking about what happened to him in, there in Philippi and Thessalonica. And, and remember, he was, he was placed in jail. Remember, he was, he was beaten. Remember, he, the, the, the religious leaders came against him and brought him to the magistrates, and, and his life was in jeopardy. 
He, he goes to the Bereans and the, the Bereans there in Berea, they are accepting him. And then those from Thessalonica come down and cause up a, pro, a problem in, in Berea as well. And I'm sure that there was some level of frustration because Paul is simply just wanting to get the gospel to those that need the gospel. And the religious leaders and the magistrates of that day are causing him not to be able to do that. So Athens was not a place that Paul had in his mind to preach and to, to uh, uh, witness in necessarily. Athens was one of those places that it was a, uh, a resting stop. It, it was a detour from what Paul probably thought he needed to be doing. Paul was aggressive at getting the gospel out. Now the Bible says in Athens, Paul waited. But God was doing something in the heart of Paul, and he was going to do something in the city of Athens because it was there in the city of Athens, the Bible says, that the men were given over wholly to idolatry. It was a wicked place. It was a wicked place because they would not identify the one true God, worship him, and serve him. It was a wicked place because they were worshiping everything and everyone except the creator and his son, Jesus Christ. So God had plans for Athens. And church, I want you to know this. Oftentimes when you think that you're in a place of waiting, that's where God may do his greatest work in your life. That's where God actually accomplishes things. But as Paul waited, I want you to see here that Paul, uh, Paul is going to be dealing with those that are in Athens concerning this idolatry. And what do we do when idolatry abounds? Now, today's message I'll just tell you now, it's going to be very different. I'm going to speak to our church and those that are watching this morning, specifically on the things that we're facing in our country and our world today. What do we do? What, what does the church do when idolatry abounds? Do we run? Do we hide? Do we mock it? Do we make fun of it? Do, do, do we stand in our places of worship and look down and say, oh, if everyone could be just as we are? I'm reminded of the publican that stood there, uh, uh, or uh, the publican that was there at the temple and he saw the, the, the uh, religious leader say uh, a prayer of, oh God, thank you that I am not like these sinners. I don't believe that's what God would have those that know him to do. Paul didn't do that. Paul was in a place where he was waiting. And Paul was in a place where he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And Paul was in a place where he was waiting for his company to gather around him so they could continue on their missionary journey. But God said, Paul, there's something I want you to learn in your waiting. There's something I want you to learn. And I believe this, church, there's something that God wants us to learn in our waiting. Over these last several weeks, our life has been really turned upside down. For many of us, for all of us, we've been waiting. We've been in a place where we're not able to do all the things that we've wanted to do. We've not been in a place where we're able to live the life the way that we want to live. For really, for all of us, we've been in a place of waiting. And then we've seen just recently, this past week, our world has really been turned upside down. We've seen news footages every single night, it seems like, since, since Tuesday where cities are being burned and riots are taking place. 
there are so many people in our country that are just angry and concerned about the, the conditions that they're living in, the hate that they're seeing against them. I do believe this church, that we ought to address it. I do believe, church, that we ought to seek Bible in God's advice, in God's will. How does a church respond? What should we do? Should we just continue as life and pretend that nothing's happening? I prayed yesterday for our own city, Toledo. We prayed for safety. We prayed for people that have a voice, that have a right as Americans to come together and, and allow their voice to be heard. We're living in difficult days. In church, as we pray for peace, I want to remind you this, that as the time of the Lord Jesus Christ comes nigh, the world is not going to become a safer place. The world is not going to become a, a better place. The, the imaginations of man are going to wax more and more evil. The Bible tells us this, that, that Jesus is going to come again, he said, as in the days of Noah. And in, as in the days of Noah, man was so wicked. Man was so filled with hate. Man was so filled with rage. Man was so filled with, with, with animosity toward each other that, that God sent an entire flood upon this earth to destroy this earth. As in the days of Noah, if you were to study how God felt about mankind in the days of Noah, the Bible says this, that it repented God that he even made man because man was so wicked. Man was so murderous. Man had nothing good in his heart only to do evil. And it broke the heart of God. I want you to know this today, church. I believe the events that we're seeing around this world it breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God when he sees man continuing to hate. Racism breaks the heart of God. Murder breaks the heart of God. And so today I want us to know as a church, how do, what do we do when idolatry abounds? What path do we take? Paul, comes to a city and it's going to break his heart. Athens is a city that's given wholly over to idolatry. And, and, and I think that that word holy there, when you see that, is, is, it means everywhere you look, everywhere you go, it, it is what the city is known for. There's a form of, of worship. There's a, a form of religion, but it's not the one true God they worship. The worship of other gods besides the one true God, anything goes in this city. Anything you want to believe, any way you want to feel, anything you want to do, anything goes because there is no truth. That's the way society has gotten now. When our society rejects that the word of God is truth, when our society rejects that the word of God is the law that we ought to live by, we come to a place where anything goes, where life doesn't matter. We know this, that God created man in his image. Life does matter to God. That's why we as a church and we as Christians, we stand against the abortion movement because we believe that every life is important. Every life is made by God and God loves each person. We believe in the sanctity of life. 
We don't just believe that when a, a, a baby in the womb, we believe that once a person is born and all through life, life is important to God. Every single human being has a soul and God desires to spend eternity with that human being. God, the Bible says, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's the gospel message, is that God desires to dwell with man for all of eternity. But God cannot dwell with man because God is a holy and righteous and just God, and man has sinned. The Bible says that from the day that we're born, we're born into sin. Trespasses and sin. And that's the story and the good news of the gospel, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the, the home that you were born into. It doesn't matter the nation that you were born into. It doesn't matter your citizenship. It, all that matters is this, that God loves you and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sin debt. And all those that will believe and trust in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross and the fact that he was placed in the grave and three days later he rose again, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, the Bible says thou shalt be saved. You see, God loves all mankind. And Paul is in a city where God loved every single one of these that are in the city of Athens. But they don't know the one true God. They have not been introduced to his son, Jesus Christ. And so as Paul was waiting there, thinking that he was on a break from his company, thinking that he was taking a break from his missionary journey, probably looking at the things that he was not able to accomplish in Berea and Thessalonica, God says there's a city that needs to be reached. There's a people that need to hear the gospel. Everything was worshiped except the true Jehovah, Everyone was worshipped in Athens, except Jesus Christ. Selfishness and self-desires were worshipped in Athens. The government and governmental systems, just like today, are worshipped and looked to for, for help and looked to and, and, and expected to bring calm and safety. And you know what we're finding? Governments can't do this. Religion is... is, is, is there in Athens, just like in today's world. You know what people are finding? That truly there's no true, long hope, eternity in religion. Religion just makes a man feel worse. And a religion just causes a man to, to, to uh, try to work his way into something that Jesus Christ has already accomplished. Religion isn't the answer to man. Government is not the answer to man. Our own self selfish motives are not a answer to man, but we worship those just like they did in Athens. Materialism isn't the answer. Oh, if we think often if we just had more if we could just have more of this or more of that or bigger this or bigger that or, or, or have all of our desires met, then life would be good. You know what you find? The more you get, the more you want. No one ever has enough. Materialism is worshipped, but materialism has no answers. Wealth is worshipped and wealth has no answers. Sports are worshipped. Sports have no answers. Jobs, for many, are worship. They, we spend our times there. We invest all of our energy into their jobs, and, 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 and we find that we worship them. 
We give everything to them, but they don't satisfy the hole that we have. For many, sex is something they worship, only to find it's unfulfilling, especially when it's done outside of the confines of marriage. So many turn to addictions, drugs and alcohol, and perverse addictions are running rampant in this world. Many people worship them, but only to find that they can never get enough, that addictions are never fulfilling. And pleasures of this world people seek. You see, these are all things that people worship. These are all things that people have made their gods. They give all their time, they give all their efforts, they give all their money, they give everything they have, all of their energy into these things, and they come away empty every single time. They're given wholly over to idolatry like the city of Athens. Everything is worshiped but God. You see, as I described the condition of Athens in Paul's day, we could say this, we're describing our world today. It just continues to get worse. Things out to, and and when Paul was here in the city of Athens, these things caused Paul to be stirred in his spirit. As Paul was waiting, look again with me in verse number 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred. Why? Because what Paul was seeing, Paul knew was wrong. First of all, I want you to see this, church, as we see the conditions of our world today, as we see the events unfolding our world today, as we see the, the, the uh, political corruption that's happening in our world today, and we see the crime that's happening, when we see the amount of abortions that are continuing to happen in our nation and across this world, when we see the, the sanctity of marriage being attacked in our world, when we see churches being persecuted around this world, when we see the gospel of Jesus Christ being mocked and and those that preach it being persecuted, it ought to cause us to be stirred when we see racism and hate and murder around this world. It ought to cause the Christian as Paul to be stirred in in their heart. A Christian should not just see these things and just put their head in the sand and believe they don't exist because it's the Christian that we're called to be a light. It's you and I that believe in Jesus Christ and are are a child of God that we're called to be the salt of the earth. We are called to make a difference. We are called to be light in the dark world. We are called to be salt in this world. We're called by God to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And I want to say this to you today. What will change the condition of this world is when man gives their heart to Jesus Christ. And as we've seen in recent weeks, how will they hear without a preacher? So we as Christians... We must see that the events of this world, it is our business. And we are called. And it ought to stir us. And when we see the condition of our world today, it ought to stir us like it did to Paul. You see, this type of idolatry leads to anger. It leads to hurt. It leads to sin. It leads to rage. 
It leads to confusion and ultimately it leads to death. And as a Christian, it ought to stir us to know this, that when a person leaves this world and if they do not know Jesus Christ as their savior and they leave this world, their life is ended here upon this earth. Their soul goes to a place called eternity. And from that point forward, it's their fate is sealed. There's only two choices in eternity and it's heaven and it's hell. The Bible's so clear on both of those. We as Christians, and the Bible doesn't speak anywhere of reincarnation, we don't get a second chance to come back and live a different life if we messed up this one. Once we die, as the rich man and Lazarus in, in Luke chapter 16, when the rich man died, he lifted up his eyes in hell. And Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. All throughout the Bible, it speaks of a place called hell. God did not create hell for mankind. He created it for Satan and those that had fallen from heaven, the angels that followed Satan. That's why that was created. But man sinned, and because of that sin, man cannot be in the presence of God. And so God sent Jesus Christ to be the payment of that sin and the forgiveness of that sin. And if you would confess Jesus Christ and receive that free gift of salvation, repent of your sin, and turn to Christ, you can have and will have everlasting life. But if you reject Christ, oh, your soul will live forever. But it won't live forever with God and in his presence. Your soul will live forever in a place the Bible calls the lake of fire. Forever being tormented. In church, every single human being that closes their eyes here on this earth and is overcome by death. If they know Jesus Christ, they're ushered, the Bible says, by angels into his presence. But it ought to concern us and stir us to know that not everyone has trusted Christ. But the Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die and after this to judgment. Oh, we know this there's not a whole lot of guarantees in life. You can plan, you can prepare. Just like Paul, he's planning a missionary journey. He thought he had his plans all set, but in a moment, your plans can be changed. One thing is a guarantee for every single one of us, and that's death. And after that death, the judgment. Those that do not know Jesus Christ will spend eternity separated from God. And that's what idolatry does. Idolatry is a death sentence. Idolatry is going to separate mankind from the one true God for all of eternity. And church, that ought to stir us. It ought to move us to action. It ought to cause us great concern and cause us to desire to live and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what does a Christian do? Let's just simply speak plain today. Today might not be one of those most eloquent messages, but I just want to speak plain to you as a church and those that are listening today. I'm concerned about our world today. As Paul was concerned about his world, Paul said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to leave the comforts of my home in Antioch and in Tarsus, and I'm, 
I'm going to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And that's what caused Paul to be in Athens. Paul was in Athens because Paul cared. Paul was in Athens because Paul wanted to be used of God. God has you where you are today because he wants to use you. And I pray that you too are concerned. We live in an anti-God world. We live in a world, and unfortunately we see it even in our own government system, where governments and politicians and dictators and rulers, they want to be in power and they want to be worshipped like gods. The governments want to give the answers to all of man's problems instead of turning them to God. There's so many things in this world that they think that they have the answers that only God has. We're living in an anti-God world. It's filled with hate. It's not just in our country that you see this, this world of hate and racism. It's across this world. We see it in the major capitals and in the cities and villages across this world. We see hate. If you don't think a certain way or look a certain way, or act a certain way, or believe a certain way. Our nation has been divided so deeply. Politics have divided our nation. The color of a person's skin has divided our nation. Wealth and poverty has divided our nation. The government and trust in it has divided our nation. And it's not the way that God has for us. But that's the way of idolatry. That's the way of worshiping everything except God. Our world is led by humanism. Man has the answers. Man and themselves and their ideas have the answers. And the truth of fact is this, it's not true. Man has no answers, only God does. Man cannot dig deep inside of him enough to find the answers that we need for life. The answers that mankind needs for life, they're found only in the word of God, the Bible. It's God's love letter to you. And maybe today you're listening and you're searching for answers and you're searching for hope. You're seeing the events of this world and, and you're saying, what good is there? And you're thinking to yourself, it's hopeless. I want you to know this. The Bible says that, that there is hope. There's hope in this word. There's everything in this world is going to pass away except this book, the word of God. It's going to live forever. If the Bible says it, it's true. But unfortunately, our world is filled with humanism. It's filled with hate that abounds. Racism abounds. And anger abounds. And so what did Paul do? Lengthy introduction to this message, and now I want you to see what Paul did. Because I believe the answer for us is found here in Acts chapter 17. What do we do? What does a church do? I know this week, and in weeks previously, I've often thought to myself, what do we do? Churches today aren't able to meet. Pastor friends that I know personally have received citations, uh, being told that they cannot meet in church and they violated their state's order and they were then given a citation and one in particular they had on CNN news and, and the media showed up at his church. And again, I, I know this man personally, pastor in New Jersey. They decided they were going to meet last Sunday morning and they met. And the very next day they were given a citation in the mail 
a court date. They're being sued by their government. $1,000 fine or up to six months in jail. They met again on Sunday night and they got a citation on Sunday night. They met again on Wednesday night and they received a citation on Wednesday night. And they're going to meet again today. Three citations already this past week from the government saying they cannot meet. It's happening in New Jersey. It's happening in Illinois. It's happening in California. It's happening in Maryland. It's happening across this nation. And what do we do? What do we do? What do we do when we see a man's life taken from him on camera by those that are supposed to serve and protect us? What do we do? What do we do when we see the cities in our nation being burned and being looted and rioted? What do we do? What do we do when we see the suicide rate in our nation just continue to skyrocket? What do we do when we hear the numbers of abortion just continue to skyrocket? What do we do when we see bullying and, and hate just continue to fill our homes and our schools? In some cases, even our churches. What does a child of God do? I want you to see what Paul did. Look with me in verse number 17, again, of this chapter. Therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Let me, let me say this again. Because sometimes we look for answers. We look for this new answer. We look for some ingenious idea. We're looking for some big revelation. But you know what Paul did? Paul came to a city. He was discouraged because of certain situations that just recently happened to him. He's probably physically still hurting because of the beating he took at Philippi. He's been rejected. He simply is preaching the gospel and he's been rejected by those in Thessalonica. And then he leaves and goes to Berea and, and they follow him to Berea and the Bereans want to hear it, but those from Thessalonica won't let him tell it. And so he has to leave again for his life. He comes to Athens. It's not where I wanted to be. He's not with his friends. He's not with his company. He's not with, with, with those that are with, uh, associated with him on this missionary journey. It seems to Paul like the missionary journey is on hold. It seems like his plans are on hold and that, that he's not able to do what, what he has in his heart to do. And then he looks out into a city and his heart is stirred. Just like we today, we think, you know what, these plans that we had aren't working. The life that we chose is not coming to pass. We just simply want to worship. We just simply want to serve God, and it seems like it's difficult and being challenged to do it. I want to say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the condition of the city that you're in and the world that you're in, the nation that you're in, and let it do something to your spirit. Let it stir you to do something. And that what Paul was stirred to do, I want you to see is this. He stayed consistent. Paul stayed consistent. You say, what do you mean by that? The Bible says this, he disputed in the synagogues with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily with them that met him. Now, I don't have the time to go back through all of Acts that we've studied, but you know what Paul did in Athens? The same thing he did in Berea. The same thing he did in Thessalonica. The thing, same thing he did in Ephesus. 
The same thing that he did in Antioch, the same thing he did in Tarsus, the same thing he did in Troas, the same thing that Paul did in every place he went to, he was consistent. He found himself going to the synagogue to do what? To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He stayed consistent, I want you to see, first of all, in his conduct. He didn't caught up in the emotions of it all. His heart stirred. But Paul didn't do things based upon his emotion. He did things based upon truth and consistency. Oh, listen to me. All the things of this world, we can get caught up in emotions. And we can behave out of emotions. But I want to, I want to, uh, I want to warn us, church. I want to warn you, Christian. When you overreact or you even react emotionally, much of the time you have to come back and apologize for your behavior. You have to come back and fix the things that you said or the way you acted. Oh, we've all done it. You've all responded, and I've responded out of emotion. You end up saying things that you don't want to say. You end up behaving ways that you would say, that's out of character for me. But you know what Paul did? He was consistent in his conduct. He didn't get caught up in his emotion. His spirit was stirred. He could have, but he remained level-headed. Have you ever shot an email to someone (laughs) and then you thought after you shot the email off? Have you ever text messaged somebody, your emotions, and afterwards wish, I wish I would have read that first and thought about it before I just simply wrote it? Make a phone call and blast somebody? Throw something out there on social media? Let your emotions, husbands, you ever, have you ever responded to your wives in, in, a, in a fit of emotion? And then later on have to come back and say, I was so wrong. When we do, no one wants to hear our message. Let, let me say this again. When we respond in fits of emotion, no one wants to hear that message. This past Friday, I believe it was, I received an email. And I believe the person that wrote that email, their intention, they thought they had good intentions. They thought they were doing me a favor by inputting their thoughts into my life. But when I received that email, it was clouded and cluttered with sarcasm and passive-aggressive statements and condescending uh, uh, statements. And quite frankly, it was just filled with pride. And when a person receives an emotional reaction from a person that's giving it, the person receiving it never wants to hear it. It doesn't help the situation. It, 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 doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't change the situation. You see, when we respond to circumstances around us in the flesh, we add to the problem around us. You see, Paul responded to the circumstances. Paul didn't just sit there in his holiday inn there in Athens and sit by the pool and, and order room service. 
Paul didn't say, you know what, while I'm waiting, I'm not going to do anything for the Lord. No, his heart was stirred by what he saw happening in Athens. He said, I've got to do something, but he didn't respond with emotion. He didn't respond with sarcasm. He didn't respond with a passive-aggressive nature. He didn't respond with, with pride. He didn't respond with just letting the world know his thoughts, that he's right and everybody else is wrong. No, he was consistent. And I want to say this to your church, in the world that we're living in, today, and it seems like it's an anti-God world. It seems like racism is, is all around us. It seems like hate and violence and murder is all around us. It seems like the government is overreaching. It just seems like everything that we know as truth is, is going wrong, and it seems like a wrong is becoming right, and right is becoming wrong, and, and we become afraid, and, and we become fearful, and we don't know what to do. The answer is not an emotional reaction. The answer is like, Paul, let's stay consistent in our conduct. Let's, spend, let's reply and live in a consistent manner in our relationship with Christ. What did Paul do? Paul did the same thing he did in every other city of his day. He went to the synagogue and he preached the gospel. Paul stayed consistent in his conduct. Oh, listen to me, Christians. More than ever today, we need level-headed, consistent Christians. Listen to me, parents, please. The thing that your children need more in your home right now is consistency. They don't need a mom and a dad where they don't know how they're going to respond. Is mom and dad going to yell and scream and holler or mom and dad going to say, I love you? Is mom and dad going to be uh, uh, Jekyll or are they going to be Hyde today? Are we going to act like Christians in our home today or am I going to act like the lost world today? Am I going to hear my parents talk of God or am I going to hear them cuss and curse? That's not the way the Christian behaves. There's got to be consistency in the life of a Christian if you want to be light in a dark world. There's got to be consistency in the life of a Christian if you want to be salt to an to a, to a earth that needs it. There's got to be consistency in a church today if the church wants to make an impact. If we truly want to turn this world upside down with a gospel message, we then must be consistent. We can't be controlled by anger. We can't be controlled by emotion. We can't be controlled by our lust. We can't be controlled by our desires. We can't be controlled by our jealousies. We can't be controlled by our pride. We can't be controlled about our will. We must be submitted to the will of God. And be consistent in our walk. And Paul was consistent in his conduct. And let me hurry. Paul was consistent in his message. L look with me in verse number 18 of this passage of Scripture. The last part of this, this verse, the Bible says this. They called him a babbler. <laughs> Others come, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods. Why? Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. You know what Paul's message was? The gospel. He was consistent. Paul didn't get up and say, you know what? Let me tell you what you men of Athens need from my, my opinion. Listen to me. I, I believe this. We have come to the place where we value our opinions in society. And, and, and quite frankly, if our opinions differ from the word of God, our opinions don't matter. Let me say that again. If our opinions differ from the word of God, our opinions don't matter. 
what has caused so much confusion and so much harm and so much hate in this world is man thinks their opinion is so mighty. Our opinion is second to God's opinion. And what Christians ought to be voicing is not our opinion and our say. What we ought to be voicing is what does God's word say because everything that we are facing in society today, God has an answer for. Everything that we are seeing take place in society today, God's word has the answer to. And we must proclaim the truth of the gospel. Church, I'm, I'm begging us today in a world that is dangerous, in a world that is filled of hate, in a world that is filled of, of lust, in a world that is filled of pride, in a world that's filled of arrogance, let's be committed to the word of God in the consistency of this book, not our opinions. You see, what Paul's focus was, was on Christ. Paul simply wanted to reveal Christ to them. Oh, we love to tell everyone what we think. But I want to employ you, church, instead of that, why don't we tell people what Jesus thinks? Why don't we tell them what the Word of God says? Paul sought to point people to the truth of Christ and the gospel. You see, Paul made his message personal. Look with me, I'm done here in verse number 22 and 23. Paul stood in the midst of the Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For I have passed by and beheld your uh, devotions. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Paul made his message personal. He, he spoke right into the hearts and right into the lives of these men of Athens. Not only did he make it personal by showing them Christ, he gave them a message of hope and not a message of despair. Look with me in verse number 27. The Bible says this, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from everyone of us. We live in a world of despair. We live in a world of hate. We live in a world that's hopeless. And how do we respond? We must be consistent. We must be consistent in our conduct. We must be consistent in our message. We must deal with people individually and give them hope and not despair. Oh, that verse, for the wages of sin is death. Boy, you look at that first verse, and you, the first part of that verse, and you say, boy, it's, it's, it's horrible. What kind of God would just judge people to hell? <laughs> Finish the verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So many people say, how could a loving God call, allow such destruction and allow such hate and allow such turmoil on this earth? You're only seeing one side of it. You're not seeing the whole picture. God is not desiring this man's desire to sin and do things his way is what's causing such destruction on this earth. And God is a holy and loving and kind God. And God's response to that is this, Jesus Christ. He gives you the gift of Jesus, his son. Oh, church, 
How do we respond to a world that's given to idolatry? Stay consistent. Stay consistent in your conduct. Stay consistent in your message. Make it personal. And give people hope. God bless you today. Watching the service today. Today, and if you watch our services every week, you would find that we preach Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He said it so himself. He said that he went to the, back to heaven when he rose again from the dead, and he's going to prepare a place for us. How do you get that place or get that reservation? It's by trusting in the finished work of the cross. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, was born of a virgin, and lived a sinless life. He was placed on that cross, and on that cross, his blood was shed. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin or, or forgiveness or payment of sin. You and I have sinned. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of that, the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't end there. The verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In John 3, 16, Jesus is the, the uh, answer, the gift that God has given to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That word perish is the eternity without God. We don't have to spend eternity without God. We don't have to sp spend eternity separated from God. God is a just God and a righteous God. He's a holy God and he cannot allow sin into his presence. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for our sin. He paid our sin debt. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus Christ today? Has there been a time in your life that you have received that free gift of salvation? Today, we extend that to you. You say, how do I receive it? By simply praying and asking God to forgive you of your sin and accepting that free gift that he so freely wants to give to you. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is to spend eternity with you. He made a way. His way is Jesus Christ, the cross, the grave. And if you would simply pray today and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. And today I receive that free gift of salvation that you so freely offer to us. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that he paid the sin debt that I owe. I believe that he died, he was placed in the tomb, and three days later he rose again from the dead. The Bible says that if you believe that, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Would you pray that today? If you do, if you pray and receive Jesus Christ as your savior today, I would love to hear from you. You can call the church office. You can even email me personally, or you can go on our church app and fill out the connect card. But please let us know that you did this incredible thing today by receiving Jesus Christ as your savior.